I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to episode seven of the Going Offsides podcast presented by the Lacrosse Collective and distributed on the Lax All-Stars Network. Today, Ryan and I are going to sit down and talk about the MLL, how nice it's been to have lacrosse back, and we're even going to have our best MLL, our personal picks for our favorite MLL team ever. So with that being said, Ryan, what do you think about the game so far? Well, can I just get started off by saying how fantastic it is to have actual live lacrosse back that we can watch on TV? I mean, it, it's like a lacrosse player's dream right now. Uh, you know, the next month between the MLL and the PLL, we're going to have lacrosse on TV every single day. So it's uh, it's been really nice. It's somewhat of a return to normalcy, and uh, it, it's been great. Games have been great. Um, you know, we're just coming off of that that really great game last night between uh, the Bayhawks and the Outlaws. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be awesome when we can kind of go through our all L- all MLL team. Uh, so it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be awesome, and let's just keep it rolling, man. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts so far on the uh, start of the season? You're the man with the crystal ball. It seems like you can't <laughs> lose with your pickums. Yeah, I don't, man, I'm still upset I lost that that game, uh, the Lizards, or uh, what was it? I lost the Hammerheads Hammerhead. Lizards game. Oh, I could have told I, you that was going to happen. I don't know. You could, you predicted Kraus actually showing up and, and putting a ball in the back of the net. I sure did. I sure did. I, I'm more so, I, I predicted the, uh, the, the Lizards, uh, you know, faltering down the stretch, which seems to be their MO the, this entire week of lacrosse yeah i'm not gonna lie it didn't look like they really wanted to be there anymore but uh you know with connecticut scanone's been or scanoni's been the story of the week i mean he might he might be eligible to win mvp if they do an mvp for this week because he is just playing lights out i mean the lizards actually played decent offense but Mm -hmm. they couldn't get the ball past that guy so he's he's been ridiculous i mean there's certainly levels to this so far. Um, you know, Denver and Chesapeake are clearly far and away tier one. Boston and Connecticut, I think, you know, I think Boston is definitely, it's borderline tier one. I mean, mm-hmm. these glimpses of greatness, but they're stuck in tier two with Connecticut. And then Philly and New York are, you know, if you look at the records, they're tier three. But honestly, I think by the end of all this, Philly has shown that they're clearly better than Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But having played, I think they've already played Denver and and Chesapeake. So, um, you know, they haven't had a chance to you know, pick up a, a nice win by playing the Lizards. So I, I think once that happens, we'll get to see Philly finally put it all together. I mean, they have Alex Woodall. They've got some really talented Canadian players on offense. So it's just a matter of time before things click for them and they and they move up into tier two with Boston. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's just crazy the, dis- the disparity just in six teams. You, you can see the depth of goalies in the league is incredible. Every team has a great goalie. It's, and I hate to say this, but like the pole depth 
isn't as deep as it needs to be to have an elite product. Yeah, well, I, I think you're you're correct on that standpoint. It's just, and also too, this this league is built for you know run and gun. So I mean, goalies are going to see a ton of shots. Like defenses, I mean, it's amazing to see what Ken Clausen's doing with that Denver defense because it looks like they haven't skipped a beat from last year. Um, but let's be honest, this isn't a defensive league. I mean, it, it's geared for. Uh, the offense. So like you said, I mean, if you have a really good goalie and you have a, a great face-off guy, you're going to be in it. I mean, uh, like we talked about yesterday uh, when we were texting back and forth, I mean, it was really interesting to see that last night it was still a one-goal game between the Bayhawks and Outlaws, even though you know the Outlaws just completely dominated on face-offs. I mean, Adler went 22 out of 25, but I think the key for that is, is that Bocklet, they rested him. You know, he, I think he left the previous game before with cramps and they rested him a little bit and then he came out and he, he looked fresh last night. So I think that's going to be a big key for those two teams going forward. I mean, now that, you know, the Wednesday games are over, you know, we're into Thursday. Um, you know, if those two teams can, you know, manage their rosters well, which you know, I think they will, there's, there's some pedigree there. Uh, they're going to have a good chance of meeting each other you know, in the finals. Um, but if they don't, then that's where, you know, a team like uh, a Boston or a Philly can come in and, and sneak in. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, now that we're getting further into the week, we're going to see, you know, the major depth issues that teams have, um, you know, and, and where some teams can, can possibly steal a win. Yeah. And now that I'm looking at the stats from last night's game and just so everyone knows, we're recording this on a Thursday. So if you're, yep. Wondering what tonight and yesterday and all that stuff means. We're, we're on Thursday right now. But Denver had 29 shots on goal. They outshot uh, Chesapeake. They had, obviously, more goals. More ground balls. 22 out of 28 on faceoffs. But the real big kicker here is that they had 20 turnovers compared to 14 by Chesapeake. That's a big deal, especially mm -hmm. in today's game. And then the saves, they had only seven saves compared to 16. So a nine save differential and a six turnover differential is exactly what Chesapeake needed to stay in that game, despite the huge disparity on faceoffs. Yeah, uh, it's just th these two teams are so fun to watch. I, I really do hope we get a chance to see them play again. Um, and, and I hope that everybody watching gets a chance to see them play again, but play on ESPN too, where everybody can watch it as opposed to kind of having to go through ESPN plus to watch it. So, um, you know, I, I think Phipps did a great job in cage. Uh, you know, I know he went down a little bit last night and wasn't looking too hot towards the end. Um, hopefully he can, you know, he can, you know, get his legs back under him and, um, make a push for, uh, for, for the finals, because I, I think he's been playing as good as anybody. And, and I think what really has helped him is, is that, you know, moving over and, and being a college coach and being a college coach at such a high level, like he's seeing the game so different for, for them. It's like having, um, another coach on the field. It's like, you know, a situation like with Denver, having John Grant Jr. On the field, you have a player coach, you have somebody playing, you know, you're, they're seeing the field and they're seeing what's going on. So I think from a defensive standpoint, that helps them out tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I talked to to John Cohen about that, the GM at mm -hmm. Denver, and he said, you know, John's, you know, John has his role, but we're not going to see Grant Jr. as much on the field moving mm -hmm. into the weekend. 
Uh, the plan was always to play him sparingly, and you know you can see that he's clearly hobbled by some kind of leg injury, uh, and he's become you know a real big initiator from X, you know, trying to find an assist on cutters and stuff like that, and that's something he's he's incredible at. But the the plan moving forward is just to basically use him as a man up specialist and then have him be a, a player coach. I mean, I saw yeah. him fully suited up, helmet off, standing in the box, coaching his ass off. So. Um, I, I think that's what you're going to see from them. And then talking to Rex Road, he was saying that the because I was impressed by how the, the Denver defense is, in my opinion, at a whole nother level compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the league. I mean, the Chesapeake is good. Denver's defense is great. And losing Finn Sullivan, losing Eli Gobrecht, I, I was curious, losing Dylan Ward. Uh, I was curious how they were able to do that so quickly with only two days to, to really prepare and he said that you know a lot of those guys played at Rutgers together which I actually didn't know off the top of my head so like he's familiar with those guys and then the addition of Rigney um Cohen said that Rigney's one of the best players they've ever brought in and that you know they they certainly hope that he can play in the future but that's very unclear with his service uh commitment but well, you know that that's a big statement because Denver's been good for a long yeah, time. So for Rigby really to did. come in and be, you know, a rookie and be one of the best players they've ever brought in on defense, I mean, it's no wonder. And then they've got you know great D mids. They've got Charlie Hayes. Uh, I think one of the definitely one of the most underappreciated players in the league, but definitely one of the best D middies in the league for sure. So it's it's not a surprise that that they're still great on defense. Uh, I mean, if they already knew each other very well. And they've played together in the past, and then you add one of the best players you've ever added on D, it, it all makes sense. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, having the uh you know, having the continuity and having some of these guys played together, I think that's why, you know, some of the smarter GMs and smarter coaches, you know, they go for multiple players from from the same college programs. I mean, that's why I mean it's it's kind of funny. Look at I read something on Twitter the other day. They're talking about just how they said, you know, Maryland lacrosse is the Alabama of uh, you know Alabama football of the MLL just because how many Terps are playing in the le- in both leagues now and how many Terps are playing together on so many different teams. I mean, you can say that, like you just said the same thing for Rutgers. Um, I think that gives them a leg up. I mean, especially when it comes to defense. You know, having the understanding and knowing, um, you know, who your partner is, where your partners are going to be, and having that, um, you know, that that time that they played together. It's just that helps a, a defense mesh and gel so much quicker. So I mean, good for them. I mean, like like you said, they are they, their defense is a head is head and shoulders above everybody. And if they can keep up that level and intensity going into the weekend, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. I mean, it's like like we talked about. There is definitely a top tier, a mid tier, and a bottom tier. Um, you know. I, I grew up a Lizards fan and I did and and I, I had season tickets for so many years and to kind of see them play and 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 listen, you know, it, it's an it's a unique setup the way they're doing this over the course of a week. But, you know, they've had a couple of games where they've kind of let it slip away. Uh, I, I thought coming out of that weather delay uh, against the outlaws the other night, they were going to be able to steal that. But, you know, hey, guess what? You know, things go the other way. And, and then likewise, uh, last night. Uh, I thought they were going to be able to steal another one as well, but you know, it just didn't work out for him. So, yeah. And to piggyback what you're saying about continuity, it, it's a lot like I know you're not a big video game guy. No, but in NHL, 
Well, I am a big NHL guy. Yeah. Well, the ultimate team, the whole the whole strategy is you get these player cards, right? Mm -hmm. And the line has chemistry based on do these guys play for the same national team? Are they from Mm -hmm. the same country? Are they from the same league? Are they from the same team? And based on those things, you have better chemistry. It's the same thing that we're seeing here. Did these guys play in college together? Uh, I talked to Kyle Jackson, and he said that four guys from uh, the Cannons offense played in high school together. Yeah, at the Hill well, Academy, and he said we're not running anything like very different than we ran in high school. So that that all makes a huge difference. Well, it's like you know, if you just take actual take the video game aspect out of it, like, and you're talking about the NHL, like. Like you look at the great pairs over over the years, like Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry, like that doesn't happen like without that chemistry, without them playing together for so long. Um, You know, and then when some of those guys leave those teams and go somewhere else and they have someone else distributing or doing something like that, their numbers significantly drop. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it is that chemistry aspect of it is, is so important. So uh, it, it's, you know, for this situation, it's almost like you have to approach it like you would a summer league team and not a professional team. Well, I mean, it's basically a summer tournament. Yeah. I mean, every player I talked to in the last two weeks, whether it be Nick Asello, Pat Harbison, Kyle Jackson, they all mentioned how in they're, they're, they were excited because this is a lot of lacrosse at once, something they don't get to do as an adult mm-hmm. uh, very often. And, and a lot of these guys don't have time to play Placid or any of the other big summer tournaments. So uh, it, it's fun for them because they get to play a lot of lacrosse at once. And there's not a lot of time to coach. There's not a lot of time to, you know, Kyle, Kyle was saying we're not being overcoached. Like sometimes in college coaches feel like they have to coach every day and make things overcomplicated mm-hmm. because they're, they have to fill that time or else they feel like they're not doing enough this week. It's not that it's just little tweaks here and there, making sure that, you know, the team's gelling, motivating the team, but they're definitely not being overcoached. So I wonder uh, how many of these guys, actually some of these coaches like reached out to a, a John Donowski or a Mike Pressler or even a Randy Mearns, like some of those national team coaches that have had to coach in a situation like this where you're together for 10 days or whatever, short time in between games, short prep. Like what are you doing from a coaching standpoint? Because I know like uh, the last World Games for Team USA, they spent so much more time on the actual chemistry and team bonding aspect of it rather than the lacrosse like they knew that those guys could play but it was just so much more focused on the chemistry aspect of it so um i wonder how many of those coaches actually might have reached out to some of those guys that have had success in in an environment like this where it's like a week to 10 day tournament where you have to you have short turnaround and then you have to prepare and and make sure that these guys are doing the right things to their bodies to to prepare for the next game so who knows it's interesting yeah, you know who does know over in the PLL who? exactly how to do this because of his experience as a high school and a club coach and spending every summer grinding on summer summer tournaments. Beardsley, I mean, Ooh. if he doesn't if he doesn't know how to take two weeks and be efficient with it and motivate and adjust and coach people like you know how club coaches are they have to yeah. coach a system quickly yeah. and not only is he you know in a two week tournament. He's also new to the team, so he's got, you know, if anyone's ready to come in and just flip the switch and, and have things going from day one, it's going to be someone like that with that kind of experience. Not to mention, you know, just the lacrosse experience and IQ in general. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal coach. I mean, having it, you know, having interacted with him as a college coach, and obviously he did our gear for a couple of years. But even last year when we were at Shoreham, um, you know, Christian Brothers was a Class C school, Shoreham was a Class C school, and we had some common opponents. So you know, there there was some dialogue there. I mean, he's a phenomenal coach, and like he's got his hands in so many different things. Um, you know, he's just it, it, yes. I mean, he he gives so much credibility to. Um, you know, as a player, because I mean, how can you not, how can you not listen to a guy who was a four, four time all American, um, you know, who could arguably still play, um, even, even, you know, even him graduating in the nineties, um, you know, and from a coaching standpoint, he's won a state championship. He's, he's, you know, he's doing all these pro lacrosse talk. And I, I would say too, he's, he's one of the best clinicians in the game. I mean, people are paying, you know, money hand over fist to, to listen to him talk and teach defense. So I, you know, he's, I think he's got a tremendous insight. And then also too, you look at Ben Rubior, I mean, obviously another guy who, who played at a high level, but also too, he's a high school coach. So he gets it. He understands the short turnaround and everything like that. And, um, you know, these guys are both coaches that coach, you know, Ben's in, uh, the MIAA and then, you know, Beardsley's coaching in in New York State, so I mean they're they're playing tough opponents day in and day out. So I think that'll that'll be interesting to see how they handle that PLL Island. Yeah, yeah, and from the looks of it, they have a little bit more time to to get ready yeah. than the MLL guys did. But you know what? I'm just happy that we have lacrosse. Ain't that the truth, my friend? Ain't that the truth? So and, speaking and, of that, oh, and just to cut you off, it is the truth because who knows when we're going to see lacrosse again? Because with everything coming around, who knows if we're even going to have a competitive fall ball where we're going to be able to see teams play? So, um, I hate to be the Debbie Downer on that, but people, you need to enjoy it while we have it because who knows when we're going to see it again? Yeah, we might not see lacrosse again until the NLL. So, which doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, I love the NLL. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I don't have high hopes for fall ball or, you know, it, for people that don't really understand the the sports side of things, the administration side of things, you know, it's, it's very unlikely that college sports happen anytime soon. You know, pro sports have the money. They have less regulations in terms of, you know, Title IX, funding they can they can put their players in a bubble and, and make things happen so that's why pro sports are happening uh right now but that doesn't happen at the college and high school level unless you have outrageous funding and you can hit every you know the ncaa has a lot of red tape so you know we're, we're all hoping for the best for the spring but you know pro sports is definitely the the only clear path forward in terms of what being able to watch live sports NCAA teams, if you're listening out there, which I hope you are, if you're able to do inter-squad scrimmages in the fall, live stream them so we can all watch them. I know you probably won't because you're not going to, because you're scared that the next coach is going to watch it and scout you and do all of that stuff. Listen, it's going to be fine. You're all great coaches. Live stream your game so that the people can see some some lacrosse. Yeah, call us. We'll, we'll help you. We'll do it for you. We don't yeah. Care. We I'm, I'm in. Watch, we, we just want to watch lacrosse. Yeah, and make your live stream free. I'm talking to you, Limestone. Shots. <laughs> Absolute shots. But yeah, I I have to agree with you on that. Not calling out Limestone in particular, but if you're a small school and you take the time to set up your your live stream and then you charge $5.99 for it, 
who do you think is really other than a handful of parents is paying that mm. there are several games each summer that i or each spring that i would love to watch casually because i just want to watch as much lacrosse as possible and i'm like i'm not paying six dollars for that product you're when logging getting, watch, yeah your login's you're, getting your login's getting passed around like my netflix account honestly it's you're missing way more people by putting up that small tiny little paywall than you are from the the benefit of having all those people watch is greater than the handful of people that pay your 599 or 499 so do us all a favor unless you're getting tens of thousands of streams take down the paywall it's not a knock on limestone i i get it i understand i you know they, they just they play a tough schedule and they play some really great games i'd love to watch more of their games that's one of the few schools where I, I'd probably pay, honestly. Yeah. But if we're trying to grow the game, take take down the paywall, get some more mm-hmm. fans, get really, really good, and then put up your paywall like limestone. Yeah, it's a pan it's a pandemic. Come on, give us a little help break. us out. Yeah, help us out. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting your job. I, I'm just saying give me a freaking break. Yeah. All right. Um tonight's All games. Out. Why don't oh, we pick yeah. the yeah? Why don't we pick pick tonight, tomorrow, and then make our predictions for the weekend? So tonight okay. we have four p.m. Just six seven hours from now, we've got Lizards Barrage. I think we're both in agreement. We're we're waiting for the barrage to put it all together mm-hmm. and, and officially knock the lizards out of the tournament. Yeah, I'm going with the barrage. Okay, cannons hammerheads. Cannons looked. I mean, hammerheads looked a little bit better yesterday. Kraus showed up, did some good work. Um, obviously one of the best goalies in the league, but Boston has all that power on offense. So who are you going with there? I'm going to go with Boston. I think, um, I, I'm a big, I'm a big, especially in this situation with like some of these guys being in their mid twenties, maybe a little bit older, that sort of thing, having time to recover and that sort of thing. I think I'm going to go with Boston. I mean, um, hammerheads had their game a little bit extended and all that other stuff. It's a tough game, all that other stuff. And coming off of that, I think it'll be a tough game. I think it could be, a, you know, a, a, a two to three goal game, but I'm going to go with Boston. Okay. I can't disagree with you there. I, I I'm a big Boston fan. And I think that they are the better team. I just hope that they play better. And hopefully with the day off, that happens. All right. And then Friday, we've got Hammerheads Bayhawks. I mean, I don't think that there's any question there. Unless the Bayhawks stumble, um, they're going to take care of business on that one. Mm -hmm. Outlaws Cannons, I think that's the last real big test before we get into playoffs. I think... I might go cannons on this just because I think the outlaws might, you know, they've secured their playoff spot. They're four and oh, I, I know they want to be five and oh, I know that the intention is there for them to win. They're not saying like, this is going to be easy. Let's just, let's just cruise into the playoffs, but I could see them, you know, making a few strategic substitutions, you know, playing different guys, getting different looks, trying out a new, a few things. And I could see the Outlaws treating it as a very competitive, you know, scrimmage where they they're really trying to figure everything out before the weekend. One last chance to do that stuff. I'm going cannons. I'm yep. going cannons for those reasons that you just you you just said. Um, I think they'd be silly to not rest some people, especially going into the games where it's 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 winner go home. Um, you know, and I think them going into this weekend, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So I, I think. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna be smart going into Friday, and and I'm, but I'm gonna pick the cannons. 
Yeah, and I think if the Cannons win tonight against the Hammerheads, then they take a little bit of swagger into that game against the Outlaws. And, you know, it's it's kind of like a perfect storm, a perfect opportunity for the Cannons to win. Absolutely. So I, I think the Outlaws are better. I just think situationally the Cannons have a great chance there. And, you know, the Outlaws have to be careful too because, like I said, they, they want to prepare for the weekend. They want to do all that stuff. However, you can't, you know, you don't want to take – too much away from the team and, and mess too many things up because then going into a quick turnaround on Saturday, you don't want to be, you know, struggling moving into your Saturday game. So it, it's a fine line as a coach to uh, yeah, how to handle that. And you know what? Siemens one of the best. So he'll he'll figure it out. There you go. All right. We got a few minutes left here. So all MLL teams. So what we did is we we talked to each other and we said, why don't we pick, you know, in in the spirit of showing Major League Lacrosse love in their 20th season, why don't we pick a roster, not of the best players of all time. Certainly these guys are all very good, but our favorite players of all time. So that's what we did. The, the rules were simple. They can't be an active player in any in league. league. Yeah, in any league. So for instance... If you wanted Greg Grunlian to be your face-off guy, that's fine. He's retired. But if you wanted Brody Merrill, sorry, he's still playing. Doesn't count. So that that's kind of where we were, were going with that one. And then we try to pick teams that kind of fit you know, our personal personalities or have a theme. And then the last point is we have very different uh, viewpoints on this. Ryan, having grown up being a Lizards fan and a season ticket holder, he's also a few years older than me. He's seen MLL since when, Ryan? When, when was your first season? So um, I was there from the beginning. I remember my father taking me and one of my best friends to when it was the showcase series out at Mitchell Field. So that was when you, know, you had, yeah, you had the best of the best pals in uh, in in red and navy, and then Mark Millen and the boys in the white and uh, green uniforms. So, um, and then the following year, that was when they were the Long Island Lizards, and that's when I mean you had. Casey Powell, Paul Gate, Gary Gate, you know, Pat McCabe, Sal Ocasio in the net. I mean, you had, you know, basically the best of the best. I mean, it's been, and I mean, I, you know, I'm dating myself and I was a young kid back then, but I mean, you're talking, that was 2000, 2001. Hofstra was elite. Nassau Community College was elite. I mean, Long Island Lacrosse was just, you know, from, you know, March to freaking August, you know, you could watch high level across all the time. And it was just, it was just a special time. Okay. And that that's different for me growing up in the Midwest, you know, MLL wasn't all over TV back then. Yeah. And I knew it was a thing. You know, I started playing lacrosse in fourth grade, which out here is, is crazy. That doesn't happen too often, but you know, I, I was a senior in 2007 and I still maybe had seen an all-star game on yeah. on tv so my appreciation definitely is is a few years after yours that being said two of the guys from my little midwest high school did play in the league you know one for i think they both played for the bayhawks because they went to umbc and towson but um yeah other than that we didn't have a big link so i came into the league much later than ryan and you know i did definitely had to do some homework because I knew some guys from the college game and then I had to make sure that they played in the MOL. <laughs> so, and then I, and then I just said some names to him that he has no, he, you know, he's like, who the heck is that? But Hey, I digress. 
exactly. So I'll go first because you definitely have a little bit more backstory to yours. Yep. So I, I have Sal Ocasio in that. Ryan Mullet is one of my deep holes because he was the first draft pick ever. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the best defenders in, in college lacrosse. And then I got a couple of legends, Pat McCabe, Rick Beardsley, who, although short time in the MLL, still counts. At midfield, I have JJ Bear, legend, Roy Colsey, and then a personal pick just because he's, you know, from from down the street, uh, Jeff Sonke, two-point man, you know, definitely had a good career in the league, but not quite as legendary as some of the other guys on the list, for sure. Face-off, Jeff Snyder, and then my favorite player of all time on attack, you know, other than John Gray Jr., who's not eligible because he decided to play this year, but... Tom Marichek running mm -hmm. my running my attack group with uh, Mark Millen and Ryan Boyle. So I I think that attack group gives you a little bit of everything, a little flavor. Definitely going to have some behind the back passes from Marichek. Boyle's going to be the brains, and uh, Millen's going to be the do it all guy with a little bit of speed. There you go. That's a pretty solid team right there. Yeah, a little different. Definitely a lot of attitude on defense. Yeah. Definitely some creativity on offense. I don't, I, mean, I, I, I don't think they have as much. I don't think they have as much attitude as my guys. I bet. I bet. I mean, um, I, I could have gone easy and gone Gates yeah. and Powell's everywhere. Yeah. But well, I mean, hey, yeah, some of us did. Um, <laughs> so my team, I got Doc and Net, Brian Doherty. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's it's a toss up between him and Salo Cassio. I mean, I even toyed around with maybe a little. Um, um, with Tierney, with Trevor Tierney, but uh, I went with Doc. I got Brian Spelina, Lee Zink, John Gagliardi, and Nikki Polanco on defense. One of those guys has to run the pole. Um, you know, I think between those guys, they've got a ton of championships, a ton of swagger. And I, I mean, I, 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 to this day, I still wouldn't want to get on the field next to Spelina and Polanco at the same time. And that did happen for a number of years. And, um, at the midfield, I have Jay Jalbert, which is obviously very similar to yours. I think he he was a do it all midi. I unfortunately his career was cut short due to some concussion issues, but I, I think for a time he was the best midfielder in the world. I mean, he faced off, he played offense, he did everything. Um, you know, guy nobody really talks about anymore, but I mean, he was as hard of a worker as anybody. Um, special player, played on multiple national teams, and was I think he was one of the best, if not the best midfielder for a really long time, Matt Strebel. Uh, he was an absolute stud. Um, and then, you know, at midfield as well, I got Max Seabold. Uh, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, there was a time too, I think, you know, it was a toss up between him and Paul Rabel. And I, I would have picked Seabold um, just because of, you know, his athleticism and not that Paul Rabel isn't a great athlete. It was just, there was just something. He played a little bit meaner, Max Seabold to me. Um, and then at the faceoff, uh, Paul Cantabene, um, or Cantabine, however he wants to say it, and however everybody wants to say it. Um, my attack line, I went with two Powells. I got Casey Powell and Mikey Powell. I can't not put Mikey Powell on the list. He's my favorite player of all time. And then to close it out, I got my uh, my my final pick is Kevin Lavelle, uh, one of the best finishers of all time. Yeah. Now, one caveat to this is that I did pick <laughs> my my Fair award, coach. the Reg Dunlop award goes to Gary gate. You can't have this. You can't talk about this game and you can't talk about the MLL without bringing up Gary gate. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. He'd be my player coach. So that's, that's my roster. Um, and I'm sticking to it. Perfect. And for the people under 
30, 35 that don't know who Reg Dunlop is? Go watch Slapshot. Okay, perfect. Not going to lie. I, I never was a big Slapshot fan, but I, I did still get the reference. So There you go. All right, well, that's it for this week. Uh, definitely check out the MLL if you haven't been. It's going to be on ESPN2 this weekend. And, uh, you know, show them some love. It's a lot. There's some world-class players playing the MLL. And, you know, especially with the with the movement of some players over to the PLL, there's been a, a pipeline of box players, NLL players, getting a chance to play field lacrosse. And, mm-hmm. and it's exciting to watch. It's It's very exciting to watch. I think the MLL won some people back this week already, and I think they're going to continue to do so going into the weekend. Yeah, they, they gave a blueprint for all sports that yep. it can be done. It can be done safely. So congrats to the MLL of getting out in front of it and, and, and being a leader in the sport again. That's it, man. All right. Take it easy, Ryan. You got it, man. I'll talk to you in a bit. That's it for another episode of Going Offsides presented by the Lacrosse Collective. Please follow us at Lax Collective on Twitter or go to our website, thelacrossecollective.com. Stay tuned for more episodes.